Hello, and welcome to the teaching ministry of Impact Family Church. For more information, including service times and directions, or to find out more about us, you can visit our website at www.impactfamilychurch.com. We trust you'll be blessed by today's message. God is so good. You know, we missed you guys when we were gone. We really did. And when we drove in our driveway Friday night, I said, can you believe we've actually been in Africa and Europe for two weeks? Seriously. I mean, it's like, did that happen? Did I dream that? What? You know, but um, uh, today, I, when I got this morning, I told him I'd minister tonight, and it just felt impressed to talk to you some, uh, some more about this, about this trip, some things I learned about, about this trip and some things I learned from people on this trip. And, uh, you know, um, <laughs> that song we sang tonight, I'll go where you want me to go. I tell you what, uh, Africa is never a place I wanted to go. And, in fact, all these years he's been going to Africa. I remember the very first time he went was in 1991 with Ed Elliott. And uh, we were, actually, I was planning on going on that trip because I was dumb. You know, I didn't know what I was asking for. They, they were actually going to Mozambique on that trip. And at the last minute, I just felt like I, I really shouldn't go. PG was in his last year of, of, of high school, and I just got, well, I thought, well, you know, I just maybe I just need to stay home. I mean, he's big enough, you know, he can he can take care of himself while we're gone. But you know, maybe, maybe I should I should just stay home. You know, it's, he's not graduated yet, so I just I just need to be here. And uh, as it turned out on that particular trip, uh, you know, Pastor went and met with with Brother Ed Elliott and. And uh, it was quite the trip. Mozambique was in the middle of a civil war. And uh, somebody had fired a rocket at a, at a plane that was leaving the airport in Maputo, uh, Mozambique, the day before they got there. And uh, so after he finally got, was able to call me, that was back before the days of cell phones, uh, he said, it's a good thing you didn't come. They stayed in some not great conditions, places, and... And they had to go different places every couple of nights because of, of just safety issues and different things. And that set the tone for me, you know, of why I never wanted to talk about going to Africa, you know. And, uh, and so over these years, you know, PG loves that kind of adventure. He is, he's, my children are adventurous. Their mother is not. And so I just, I just avoided it altogether. I didn't really think there was any reason for me to go just to tag along. You know, if I couldn't be, you know, useful, then there wasn't any reason to go on PG. He would definitely be useful. You know, he knew his way around, and he, he enjoyed that kind of stuff, and nothing flusters him. I mean, he just, he just goes. And so tonight that song, I'll Go Where You Want Me to Go, has a little special meaning for me. Um, I really had, had really, had just, there was a little inkling about going, uh, before I found out that PG really wasn't going to go. I mean, I know there was talk of possibilities because the dates were, were, you know, conflicting with something else that he needed to do. And, uh, and, and, and the Lord started talking to me about going, and I was just like, mm, I don't know about that. Uh, just because just cause I knew he doesn't want to go by himself. He wants somebody with him. But I was going, I don't know. I don't know. And then I finally decided, okay, you know, I told him I, I would go. And... Um, you know, he said on Sunday morning, we've never, we've never experienced such adversity in getting somewhere as we did on this trip. 
and didn't really elaborate a whole lot, but I'll, I'll, I'll elaborate a little bit tonight. Three weeks before we left, I came down with shingles. And uh, it was short-lived, thank the Lord. You know, it wasn't, it wasn't extensive. You know, praise God for that. And so we got past that. Just I was just, you know, stressing over the trip. And, uh, and so that was, I guess, the outbreak of, of why I got the shingles. I don't really know. One week out, I woke up to a throat full of pus, glands swollen down to here, headed to the nearest, you know, walk-in clinic, got some antibodies, went, no, no, no. Then the hurricane was coming our way, so now we have to clear an entire patio of furniture, you know, and all this stuff getting ready. We don't know what's going to happen. We don't know how we're going to get. Then we have to change locations. We're supposed to fly out of Orlando. Who knew whether we could even get to the Orlando airport, you know, by this time? I mean, you know, we didn't know what conditions the roads were in. We had no way of knowing how long it would take us to get there. You don't miss your flight when you're going overseas. Not, there's not another one in six hours. So, you know, we, we had, to get, had, to get on, had to get to Atlanta. And uh, so we called Delta and found a lady that was really gracious. And she said, this is what we'll do. We'll get you out of Jacksonville. Yay. Now somebody has to take us to Jacksonville. Now somebody's going to have to come pick us up from Orlando because, you know, we didn't have a, we, the plan was to leave a car there and, you know, drive ourselves home. That didn't work. So somebody's got to come get us. We tried to get in a rental car. No rental cars anywhere, nowhere to be found, to get us home. So, you know, then comes Saturday morning. I'm not, I'm usually a procrastinator when it comes to packing. And I had done a pretty good job, actually. On Friday night, you know, most everything was done. A few things and and the bathroom stuff, you know, was still left to pack. Had bought a brand new suitcase to go on this trip. And um, so the next morning, it's, you know, I've got this all planned. We're going to leave the house at 11. It's, you know, it's 9 o'clock, about 9.15, you know. I'm, I'm almost ready to get there. We'll have an hour just to kind of go. <sighs> so we, everything's in this brand-new suitcase, and we go to lock it, and the lock broke. Yeah, I'm just going, what? What? Are you kidding me? You don't fly overseas with a soft-side piece of luggage because of theft in international airports. And so I had bought a hard side. So I took off to Bell's, who always has luggage, and all they had was little carry-on sizes. So my, bless my darling sweet son, got him on the phone. He was going to come anyway, but he, he grabbed a suitcase out of his closet, and here he comes. So now we've got to repack everything, and it just threw everything for a loop. So we're, instead of 11 o'clock, we're 11.15 getting out, but it, it, it worked. You know, I, I just like, okay, fine. On the way over, it's so dry on the plane. We've both got bloody noses, noses, sinuses that want to get impacted. It just, everything was crazy, you know, on this, on this. I thought, once I get to the airport, it's going to be fine, you know. And, and then suddenly you can't breathe because all this blood in your nose and, and all these different things are going on and your sinuses are trying to pack up. And, and the hotel is just a pain to get there once we get to Johannesburg and, you know, it's just, it's one thing or another. And this uh, nice little porter who wouldn't take no for an answer when we told him we did not want his help tried to scam us for about 40 bucks. He wanted two American 20s, and we said no, and he wanted to argue with us, you know, but we were already at the hotel this time, so I thought, buddy, you better take what you're going to get because you're fixing to get nothing. Uh, I don't have to give you anything. But anyway, 
you know, then in the middle of all this week, I'm starting to get phone calls and texts from home about a serious situation that is, belongs to my sister. And, and I'm just going, you know, I, this is totally trying to distract me from what I'm supposed to be doing. You know, and I, I'm telling you what, that's about the time you find out, God, I can't do this. I can't do this. You have to be the one I rely on. And so if there's anything I have definitely learned on this trip, that if you go someplace like this, you better be going because God told you to go. Because you're going to have to fight your way sometimes through it all. And if you don't know for sure that you're supposed to be there, uh, you got nothing to fall back on. And so I, I decided we, we weren't going to have that. And so we get to the, the pastor's conference, and, and I am sweating bullets. I mean, not just because it's 90 degrees and there's no air conditioning, but just because, okay, this is a bunch of people that are a totally different culture. They, I mean, they look nice. I mean, they, they, they're, not, they're not real smiley. And I'm just going, okay, you know, the white woman's about to get up here. I'm not sure what they're going to think. I wasn't sure that they would, they would really, you know, be okay with a woman in, you know, ministering to them. But after I found out later, they have quite a few lady pastors. So I'm just going, okay, all right, that, that's good, that's good. Never used an interpreter. Uh, I think I, I used an interpreter in Brazil with Pastor Nancy back in 2019 for about two minutes just, just to greet the people there in Brazil. And so I'm just watching Pastor. I'm listening. You know, our interpreter that day had the Batman pants on. And I'm going, well, you know, th- that provides some humor, at least, for me. <laughs> you know, I'm going, they look like pajamas. Are those pajamas? They're Batman pants. Okay. <laughs> Great. And so when, when I got up there, I told Pastor, I said, I'm about to throw up. I'm about to throw up. about to throw up here. I don't, I don't know if I can do this. I get up there, and, and God's grace just fell on me. You know, and I, I had no idea how they were going to take, you know, what I had, had to say. I mean, I mean, the whole topic was just praying for your children. Uh, it wasn't really, the first couple of days wasn't specifically to minister's children, although we, t- we got onto that on the third day. But, uh, you know, I didn't know how well they would receive that. And um, they're quiet. They don't amen. So you don't know, you know, what they're thinking. You don't know how well this is getting through. I'm not sure. I, I'm, I'm assuming the interpreter is interpreting what I'm saying accurately. I'm hoping he is. Um, it seemed to be. He was, he was a great guy. And, uh, you know, so at the, end of the, at the end of the day, did I get a hand clap that day at the end of the first day? I don't think so. But, but they, you know, I felt like, okay, this, this went pretty well. It, it, went, it went all right. You know, uh, Pastor Movando was there, and he goes, he, 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 was, he was okay with it. He was lay-like, didn't he? Went, okay, well, at least I didn't embarrass my husband or embarrass myself or anything else. You know, um, and so as the week went on, I just, you know, just let God do his thing. You know, just relaxed. You know, and in the evenings, just, you know, you're on a platform above this thousands of people, and, you know, and, and uh, you just, you know, just... They're so exuberant about what they do, you know, when it comes to praise and worship. So, you know, we don't have a clue what they're singing most of the time. So we just sing in tongues, just sing in the spirit with them, you know, whatever the beat is, just go with it. You know, and they were, they were just lovely. But, you know, I've decided so many things about all this. Number one is never decide what, what you will and won't do. 
Don't, don't make up your mind that you're closed off to certain things. Maybe now's not the time, but don't ever think that the time won't come. And don't dismiss it when God starts talking to you about doing something. Because if God really wants you to do a specific thing, he will enable you to do it. He will give you the grace to see it through. He'll give you the grace to do whatever he's asked you to do. And, and then I think probably for me, the, the best thing is that, is that I realize that I can't, I can't do it without God. It has to be God. It has to be all God. You know, there's, there's parts I can do, and there's parts I have to strictly rely on God to make the difference. Because by myself, it's not going to work as well. But it seemed to turn out just fine. You know, if, if, you're, if you're being led to do something, it's going to be good. It's going to be a blessing. It's going to minister to people. It's going to be just what they need. And, and I think the very first, um, after the very first night, I think it was Pastor Mavondo on the way to the crusade that night, he said, he said, Miss Angela, he said, when you got up there, you have no idea. He said, the people out there just, he said, the very, one of the very first things you said was about, uh, about children, that the enemy, the enemy was trying to take our children and that it was demonic. And he began to tell us a story of how children had been being kidnapped. It was, it was, it was happening all over. And, and these children were disappearing. And they, found a, a, they, were, they were being kept in, in this one location. And it was in the, in the area of Chihuahua where we were. These children were disappearing. And uh, they were being, as they found out later, they were being kept in this one particular location. And a young girl managed to get out and escape and go to somebody. And the police came and, and they got re- arrested all these people, uh, as many as they could find that, that didn't take off before they got there. And, and they rescued these children. He said, when you said that, that, the, that what's happening here is demonic, their eyes, he said, I don't know if you noticed, their eyes just got like, oh, my heavens. And I'm just going, really? You know, let God use you. He can use you to say and do things that you have no idea the impact that those statements are going to make on the people that are sitting in front of you. So, you know, from that, I, I figured, well, I got their attention right off the bat, unknowingly. That was just God. And, and you know, they were, and after that, they were very open. I think I got some hand claps. They don't say amen, but they hand clap. You know, they clap, you know. So on Tuesday and, or on Thursday and Friday, I got hand claps. I'm going, okay, you know. An amen would suffice, but, you know, <laughs> that's okay. <laughs> but I, I just, uh. You know, for me over the years, fear has been a factor. And uh, just uh, the unknown, the uncomfortable, the out of my comfort zone, the out of the box, the, uh, you know, all these things. And, and I'm learning to let go. So I'm telling you, you need to learn to let go. When God starts talking to you, it's okay. You just rely on him. I have found there is much grace, much grace to walk in the middle of everything he wants you to do. You know, and and, um, maybe this is TMI, but I'll tell you, one of my biggest hesitations, I told Brother Christopher, I said, are there bathrooms anywhere? And he's going, no. And I'm going, that's not good. 
At the crusade site, there's, well, there wasn't, at the, at the conference, you know, there, there, was, there was a recommendation not to use the restrooms there. Um, so, so I went with that in mind. And, I, and so when I left here, I was going, now, God, you're going to have to help me. You're going to have to help me. And so I did my part. Uh, you know, in every, in every situation, you have a part and God's has, God has a part. And so I did my part. There was very little to drink in the mornings before we left to go to the conference. And there was nothing after about 3.30 or 4 in the afternoons before we went to the crusade. You leave the, you leave the hotel. You, to go to either one of them, you've got a 20 to 30-minute drive. You know, then you're there for three hours at least, maybe four. Then you've got the ride back. You know, and, and I tell you what, there was an abundance of grace on me for that. <laughs> I didn't have one issue. Yay. <laughs> you know, those are little things that people, you know, well, it's not, was not little to me. Okay. Uh, it was not little to me at all. Uh, but I'm just, all those things the enemy throws at you to tell you, you can't, you, you can't handle this. You, this is, this is, this is going to be bad. This is going to be bad. You, it's going to be awful. And, you know, I, I found out God makes up the difference. Even something like the lack of a bathroom. Later, Brother Christopher said to me, he said, well, I really thought about putting a portable toilet in one of the trucks just in case somebody needs it. I said, would you please do that? Would you please? You know, that would help me a lot. (laughs) I might consider coming back if you do that. (laughs) But, you know, God is just so good. But, you know, in the middle of it, everything, I learned some things from the people there. You know, I, I think I got up on Friday morning um, in the middle of all this. You know, Pastor, you know, he, he told you on Sunday how he, he ate the wrong thing and, and it, he, he had some issues there. And, and uh, he wound up going and sitting outside in the vehicle on the, the last hour on Friday, the Friday of the conference. And, and I, so I got up that morning and I told him, I said, I am going to go home and I am going to scold our church. I come in here. And you start singing, and every one of you participates in this. And you're happy to be here. And you're engaged in, in your worship. And I appreciate that so very much. You know, you and I, you and I both realize that, that there are, of those 200 and something ministers that were sitting in that room, many of them had to have issues that they were dealing with. Many of them had to have problems. Many of them had to have family situations or church situations that were weighing on them. And yet I couldn't tell it because they were so joyful in their worship. In the evenings, you know, there are crowds of people standing shoulder to shoulder. They, those people that are down front have been there probably since about 5.30 in the afternoon. And they've stayed there and they've stood there. And they're just thrilled to be there. They are so happy and so joyful. And I think that puts us Americans to shame. If you've ever been on the platform during praise and worship, you can honestly say you can look out over a congregation and see that about half the crowd, is it more than half or about half? About half the crowd is totally with you during the praise and worship service. It is not a spectator sport. It's a participator activity. 
And these people put us to shame when it comes to participating in that part of a service. And I marveled at them and about how sincere they were and how committed they were. Do they praise God exactly like we did? No, I would throw my back out if I tried to do what some of them did. You know, they got some moves. You know, they, they got some moves. And I'm just, you know, the, the Australian pastors that were with us, he said, you want to try that? And I went, I, I, I dare not try that. I, I dare not. I mean, let me tell you. You know, but they're just all in. Would I like to see our congregation be at least half in sometimes? Would be nice. But to the level that those, they put us to shame. They really do. And, and I just, I looked at them and they're just, they're just so full of the joy of the Lord. Now, I understand that, you know, for them, you know, they, uh, they listen to Christian music just like they listen to secular music. And they, they sing those songs. I, they may not have any idea, you know, the, the, the real depth of what, that, what they're singing. At the conference, they did. But out there in the, in the crusade, they, this crowd's just singing along, and they may or may not have been born again. They may or may not know who Jesus is. They may, not, or may or may not realize what it is they're singing about and who they're singing about and, and that he is Lord and Savior. They may not know, but they were still willing to participate. It's, it's sad, you know, when you, when you look around in the church service and there are people just standing like this. Maybe they're singing and maybe they're not. They're standing and hanging onto the seat just for something to prop them up. I tell you what, if you come and you've made the effort to come, make just a little bit more effort to get involved in that part of the service. It's not, it's not an accessory. It is a vital part of ushering in the presence of God. It's vital. And if we want God to show up in a bigger way, then we have to put our whole heart into it. These people were putting their whole heart into it. And so when it came time for the altar call, when invitation for salvation, when it came time for, for people to come forward that were, that were sick and that needed healing, and they were, like Pastor said on Sunday, they have, most of these people have no options. As Americans, we're blessed with a tremendous medical system. And too often we rely too heavily on the medical system. These people don't have that to fall back on. And so they have to, but their willingness to participate in that kind of a setting brought the presence of God to a place where people were born again, where miracles could, be, could happen. We say, we want to see more miracles. Well, guess what? You have a part that you need to be doing to encourage that to happen to bring the presence of God and the glory of God into the building so that those kind of things can and will take place. They've, they may not be conscious of what they're doing, but you are. You are conscious because you've been told repeatedly. And I know I'm talking to the choir here, you know. I, but I'm telling you, the more this group begins to participate on a Sunday, the more we can bring the ones who don't with us. What you do will help encourage the ones who 
aren't used to getting involved in that part of the service will encourage them to get with it. You know, and, and I can, well, I can honestly say that in the last year, we have seen a, a greater and a greater flow of the Spirit. We have seen a greater and greater demonstrations of the Spirit. And we don't need to be satisfied with what we've seen. We should be thankful for what we've seen. We should be thankful for the increase in the anointing that we are experiencing. But we shouldn't settle for where we are. There is more. You know, God wants us to go from glory to glory. And the only way we're going to be able to do that is to put more of us into it. To see it happen. To see the presence of God manifested in a greater way every time we come together. To come in here like these, these, these people in Africa came expecting something. They came expecting in the conference. They came expecting in the crusade. They didn't come in there going, well, just, you know, show me what you can do. Just show me. They were expecting something mighty to happen, and they got something mighty out of it. I mean, to me, there was a great lesson there. You know, sometimes you, you, know, you, you stop, and if somebody says it, you know, you go, oh, yeah, well, I know that. Well, did we really know that? If we have to be reminded of it constantly, do we really know it? We know it here, but do we really know it in here? Do we really know how, how big God is and how big he wants to be? Do we really understand how much he wants to move in our midst? Do we really crave that? Is it, is it a desire of our heart? Do we really hunger after the things that God wants to give to us? He wants to bless us with. He wants to impart to us. He wants to equip us. You know, there's, there's so much that happens in a, in, a, in, a, in a church service and so many reasons why we come together. It's, to, it's, it's to, because we're as a corporate body, there's an anointing here that cannot be, cannot be accessed alone. And so we come together. And if we've come together, we ought to make the most out of it. But we've come together to experience God's presence. We've come together to hear what God has to say. We've come to, to be in a place where he can move in, in our hearts, move in our bodies, move in our minds, move in our lives, bring answers, bring relief, bring peace, bring joy, bring anything and everything we need. But he, he also gathers us together so that he can impart something to us that we can take to people when we walk out those doors. There's a precious commodity that he wants to put on the inside of us that's to be shared when we leave this place. It's not just to come in here and bless me and mine and and us four and no more kind of a thing. It's for me to be full of the life of God when I leave this place so that I ooze it when I go to work the next day, when I go to school the next day, when I go to the grocery store the next day, when I go through the drive-thru at Starbucks the next day. So that somebody looks at you and goes, hmm, what is that? And a door opens and an opportunity comes to share the life of God with them. You know, I just, I just watch these people and their, and their, their commitment to, to being at this thing. I mean, we come in and we sit down. And we're in an air-conditioned building. You got these great lights. You got great sound. You got great music. And, and we take it for granted. And they're standing in, in a dusty field, shoulder to shoulder, 
for hours at a time because they want to be there. They want to be there. And they're going to make the most of it. And they, these people taught me how they're gracious. They're grateful. And uh, they're generous. You know, and um, sometimes, you know, we, we get so used to our church family that we forget to be gracious to one another. We forget what it's like, you know, to, uh, to just be grateful that we have each other. We, um, I don't think we really understand the importance of what God has done when he's put us together. It's not by chance. It's by divine appointment that he put you here. He put you here for a reason. He put you here to fulfill part of the plan for not only your life, but for the life of his church and for the life of the people that you're connected to. We're fitly joined together, which what every joint supplies. And that means that every one of us are connected to each other. And there is something about that connection that is divine and that needs to be shared and that needs to be, to be used and we don't need to be selfish about it. We don't need to be uh, unconcerned about someone else. But we should look at each other as they're a necessity to me. They're, I need them. Whether I think I have anything in common with another person or not, I need you. And you need me. And, and, I'm, and I'm reminded of that, you know, so much, you know, just when I hear of certain situations that people have in their lives and they have no one to turn to. And I'm going, if you were part of a church family, this would all be different. This would all be different. You would have had backup. You would have had support. You would have had people who would encourage you. You would have had people who would, who would pray for you. And yet, you know, there are, there are still people. You know, who come, some, but they're not connected. And then they wonder when trouble comes in their lives, how come nobody reaches out to them? Because they're not connected. That's why. They've chosen not to be connected. I can't help you if you choose not to be helped. If you choose not to put yourself in a place to be helped. And, uh, I, you know, I'm kind of getting way off my topic here. Uh, but that's okay. I, I, just, I, just, I just saw so much, you know, these are people who, compared to me and you, live very simple lives. You know, when you look around at us as Americans, we, we complicate our lives a great deal. We, we put ourselves in positions of, of being, running from here to there all the time, being on the go constantly, always got something to do, something going on, and we don't take time to slow down and just live a little more simply. And it's hard for God to get a hold of you and get your attention sometimes when you've complicated your lives so much. Sometimes it can't be helped. You know, we all have job situations or school things, things that have to be done. But you know what? There's a time when we need to look around and say, you know what? I, I, need, I just need to slow down. I need to slow the pace of my life. 
God has a hard time getting a hold of me when I'm never stopping long enough for him to talk to me. When I don't stop long enough for him to say, let's just spend some time together. Those are precious and valuable times. Um, I appreciate that the fact that these ministers took their time to come to this conference. Many came from hours, hours away. Some of them drove. I don't really know how some some others got there. I know some of the folks from Zimbabwe had to take a bus, which, you know, a bus is a long, long thing. And, and, and they, uh, they did it gladly. So, you know, I, you know, the point was to go to Africa to be a blessing. But honestly, I came back feeling very blessed. Feeling that um, God has, has, has achieved a shift in me in some ways. That I will be, it'll be easier for him to talk to me now about doing things that are out of my comfort zone. Uh, because he's shown me how it's possible and that it's doable and that his grace will always be there to put me over in the middle of all of it. And I shouldn't be afraid to step out when he says, okay, let's do this because he's there. And, and I learned that I have brothers and sisters on the other side of the world that may not look like me on the outside, but on the inside we serve the same God. We have the same Savior. We're going to the same heaven. We love the same kind of people that they need. They need just some encouragement and some help that we can provide them to help them help the people that are under them. And God is God. And he wants to do the same thing for them that he wants to do for us. It may look a little different, you know. Their version of prosperity and yours and mine may look a little different. Their version of a comfortable life and our version of it may be a little different. But God is still God, and he can still supply and provide for them in that environment. And, and you know, we just, I, I came away going, Lord, I just came to talk about praying for kids, and it, you know, it was a blessing. That's, that, was, that was the goal here. I, I wanted to come and do something to be, to not just be just a tag along, but to actually accomplish something. I mean, I know my husband, you know, is, is, is ministers to him greatly when it comes to just giving these pastors practical advice on pastoring. But for me, it was like, well, what do I have to say? And then God put that on my heart to pray for children. Who knew? Who knew that that's, that was something that was desperately needed? You know, but God knew. God knew. And uh, although I didn't get through half of my notes, it wasn't necessary. You know, we, when you use an interpreter, you can't use all the stories that I like. You know, you can't go down all the rabbit trails that I like. You know, so I had to pare it back, you know. So that's not a bad thing. I, I, learned, I learned some good stuff. But I learned I can use an interpreter. It's okay. <laughs> Miss Iris had told me when we left, she texted and said, tell Pastor Angela to slow down so don't give the interpreter such a hard time. Well, I did. I, I slowed down. I, you wouldn't believe how much I slowed down, Miss Iris. You know, but uh, I, I just, I came back, um, and, I, and I, had a, I had a sense that when I, when I left that I was going to come back different. You know, it was, it was, it was not all about me. It was about the people there, but yet God did something in me 
at the same time that I think was uh, was necessary. And I, 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 I am thrilled about it. And, you know, I've turned down invitations in the past over the years. Somebody wanted me to come minister to a group of ladies or something. I said, no, I don't do that. No, I don't do that. No, I don't do that. I don't do it. Well, actually, I've been to Africa now, so I can't say I don't do that anymore. Um, it, I've stepped out of my comfort zone in a big way. So from here on, I can't say I don't do that anymore. Whatever it is, if God's in it, I'm going to do it. You know, I'm just going to say yes and expect him to make up whatever, whatever I seem to be lacking. And uh, whatever my fears are, just put them down. And, and whatever the enemy tries to do to, to stop us from, from doing it, we're just going to put our foot down and go, no, you're not. And just move on with what God's got for us and just, and just be a blessing and um, expect to be blessed in turn. So anyway, um, that's really all I had. And I just, just felt like I just wanted to share that with you. Um, so has anybody got any testimonies? Has something good happened while we were gone? Anybody? Nobody? Nothing? Nothing? Well, you know, in one sense of the word, nothing happening is while I'm gone is really good. You know, <laughs> so, we, too many times we've left town and something has, ha- has happened, you know, something, some crisis has come along. But thank the Lord, he was with you and with us <laughs> while we were gone. Well, hallelujah, I'm done. At Impact Family Church, it is our desire to see you blessed through the power of the Word of God. We have been helping people to change their world for over 25 years through our dynamic ministries and teaching. If you are going to be in the North Central Florida area and are interested in attending our services or just want more information about us, you can visit us online at www.impactfamilychurch.com.